This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. today's podcast, we're going to talk about a young coach who's gotten his room for the first time and some of the things that he does now as he has control over his position group. Uh, we're going to talk about situational football from the defensive backfield as well as some technique and how you can get the most out of your players by really relating to them and joining me to discuss all of those things. The defensive backs coach for the Richmond Spiders, Ross Douglas. Ross, great to have you here on the podcast. Coach, appreciate you for having me on. You know, it's funny. I listen to this podcast every morning. You've had a lot of great coaches and a lot of great guests on. So it's a blessing that I've been able to talk some football with you this morning. Absolutely. And, you know, I got to know you not personally, but uh, in this area in Northeast Ohio and watching you play football in high school. And uh, you had a tremendous career there that obviously led you on to the Division One level. But, um, you know, looking at that transition that you've had now from – you know, being that high school player, getting into uh, playing in some good programs and now uh, into the coaching profession, you know, for you, at what point did you decide that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to become a football coach? It was really at a young age, and I think it started when I was playing peewee football. My sixth grade year, my dad became my coach, and I just saw how tough he was on me, but it really motivated me to be the best version of myself, and I saw how he was able to pull the best out of all my teammates. So that's really when I was like, okay, like I've seen the way my pops impacted me and my friends. So that really made me want to be a football coach. And then growing up, going to Avon High School, being around coaches like Mike Elder and his coaching staff, I mean, it was just, wow, they pulled, they made me a better man. They made me a better football player. So I saw the impact that all my coaches had on me. So I just wanted to have a similar impact on the players that I coach and the people that I am able to come in contact with. So it really started at a young age where, my philosophy then became, look, I'm going to play football as long as I possibly can. And once I can't play football anymore, then I'm a coach. You know, a lot of coaches at your age really use their their passion, their ability to relate to their players not being too far removed. You're 26 years old now and, and have uh, your own room at that age. Um, but, you know, before we get into some of those things and how you create those relationships, what's been uh, your – methods I guess your strategy for learning the game and, and being able to you know get all the the things you need to know to prepare you for this opportunity one thing one thing I think I've done a great job of early in my coaching career is just really just listening because a lot of times 
people get in a profession and think they know it all or have all the answers. I've, I've truly been blessed to be around some some of the best secondaries coaches in the country, whether it's Corey Robinson, who's now the assistant sec, uh, DB coach for the Saints, whether it's Jay Villar, who's corners at Alabama, Henry Baker, Fran Brown, Chris Ash, Coach Ciano. I've been I've been fortunate enough where I've been around some a high pedigree of uh, defensive back knowledge, and I've just had the opportunity to really just be quiet and listen and just soak everything up and be able to translate that and to be able to teach that to my players. So I've I've been blessed and fortunate to be around some good guys. As you think of, of all those coaches you mentioned, some tremendous guys there who have been your mentors, what's one or two of the lessons that really stick out to you that, that are so impactful and meaningful you, for you now as a young coach? Um, I think the biggest thing that I could kind of take, I took every, I took something from every single one of them, but I'll say the overall message is be very, very demanding of your players, but never be demanding. Because when you demand a lot from your players, it comes from a place of love and it comes from a place of respect. When you demean those guys, you're not going to be able to get what you want to get out of them and you're not going to make them the best versions of myself. So that, I would say that's the biggest takeaway that I've took from every single one of them. I agree with you 100% on that. And I, I do see a lot of young ca- coaches who have that passion and that fire. And sometimes that can get a little bit uh, out of control that, it, it does become de- detrimental to that relationship with the players. So as you look at balancing that passion along with, man, I really got to relate to those guys, right? You want to be demanding. You don't want to be demeaning. How do you go about that? Um, it's really, it really starts with relationships with kids because the more, the better relationship you have with a kid and the more that he trusts you, you really, really know how to coach that certain player because you can't coach everybody the same because some guys might be a little bit more sensitive than others. Some guys might be able to get cussed at. Some guys might not be able to. So the more that you know, learn your players and you learn your learner, then you'll be able to know how to coach them and be able to get the best out of them. So I just think it all just boils back to relationships, and that'll teach you how you'll be able to coach them. So you just went through that in, in coming into a new situation in February, having a season starting soon after that. You had to get to know guys quickly. You need needed to get to know what – things really work for them how did you go about that in a very short period of time in order to be successful with what you guys were able to do on the field it, it's very funny because I got hired February 19th then I got hired 10 practices before our first spring football game against William and Mary so my very first meeting I was dead honest with the guys I'm look, I'm like look fellas y'all don't know me I don't know y'all so trust is not gonna be built overnight but I know one thing I want to win, you want to win. So the faster we get pulling in the same direction, the quicker we're going to get to what we want, and that's winning. So I was very brutally honest with them, and, you know, I spent my first couple weeks on the job, you know, I talked to everyone for at length and just got to know about them, their family, and kind of their hardships and just what they hope for in their football career and then off the field, and I got to know their family. So that's been an ongoing process, and we became really, really close, really, really fast, and it's, it's just I'm I'm happy those guys trusted in me, and now we're just we're just gonna take this thing, we're gonna keep building it. What were maybe some of the more challenging parts of that process early on, as you did start to get to know those guys, and and how did you work through those? Um, I would just say the town the most challenging part was probably that I, me being a first time position coach, then we're about to play a spring season, so. Now it's like I wasn't there for 
the fall camp that they had, the spring ball that they had before that. I was only there for 10 practices. So just there's some things that technique wise that we changed a little bit. So it was, everything was just kind of moving really, really, really fast. But, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who embraces a lot of challenges. So I didn't see things as much of a difficulty. It was just, okay, things were just kept on evolving. We just got to continue to build our relationship. We got to continue to build trust. But once they started seeing they were getting results and we were winning and things like that, that's when the buy-in really started to happen because they're like, okay, like what, what coach is telling me is working. We're winning. We're playing good football. We're playing good defense. So that's those are just the things that kind of were a little challenging, but it was also rewarding at the same time. So moving that ahead a little bit and coming out of that season now, you were able to uh, you know, get these guys ready to play a season. You guys had uh, success out on the field in this, you know, even though it was a shortened season. Um, we're ranked as high as 10th in the country in FCS. Uh, you come out of that now. What things did you do as you put that season to bed to make sure that, especially with those guys you have coming back, that you you deepen that relationship so that when it's time to get back at it in the fall, um, you guys are in a good place? Um, the biggest thing, we were just honest about the season. You know, we played we played pretty good football, but there's a lot of room for improvement in myself and for our players, you know what I mean? Because I go here at Richmond, we want to win a CAA championship and we want to compete for the national championship. So we got to see was our level, was our – was our uh, did we play with championship effort? Did we play with championship attention to detail? And in some instances we did and in some instances we didn't. So now it's just being able to hone in on that and be more consistent and being able to play with great details and be able to play with great effort every single snap. So that's just – it was just a good analysis of where we are and now we we know where we want to get to so we know the work that has to be done and it started the day after we lost the conference championship to James Madison. So I'm excited for the process. I know those guys are too. So we're excited just to get back at it. I know before we got talking that one of the things you really like to make a part of of – what you do as a coach, especially on the field, is to compete in all you do. So can you give us some examples of that, of how you create competition throughout practice? Oh, I mean, our NDP, our it, start, it starts as soon as we step foot on the practice field. I always, I always try to compete to have my guys be the first ones out on the practice field because we're, we're always constantly working, whether it's fundamentals, whether it's technique, whether it's schematics, whether it's it, – it could be anything. Like, we just always want to be the first out there on the practice field. We're out there working before everybody and then stretch. You know, I like, you know, it's good. We have music playing during a stretch. I go around. I say I dap all the players up. I have a lot of energy. I'm talking talking crap to the wide receivers, the offensive line. So, I'm just raising that player's energy in practice. And we run around the field, everything that we do. We run around drill to drill. And, are we compete in everything we do. So if players drop a ball in Indy, they got to hop right back up and we got to do the reps. I know some coaches don't believe in that, but no, we're going to do everything with a great sense of detail and we're going to do everything the right way because I don't want to end on anything that's a bad rep. So, and I mean, so team periods, I mean, we're all hustling to the football. We compete. We have a takeaway quarter every day. We want at least two or three takeaways every single practice. So we just literally everything, we compete in absolutely everything we do, the way that we meet, the way that we practice, the way anything that we do. Anytime we're around each other and we're doing football, it's, it's like 100 miles an hour competition. When you don't meet those objectives, when you don't get those that, that turnover quota per practice, uh, what kind of things do you do as a coach to 
figure out how are we going to get that tomorrow? What didn't we do today that needs to be improved so that tomorrow we get that and hit that goal? So we sit down. So we like after practice, I always meet with my guys before they uh, leave the practice field. I kind of go around. I, I point to every guy. I'm like, how do you think practice went? And they'll give their two cents and then I'll give my two cents. And then if we say if we didn't meet our takeaway quota, we'll recap. We'll recap why we didn't meet it. And then the next day in film, I'll show examples of either missed opportunities or like, look, if we would have just lined up here, if our eyes would have been right, we would have had a takeaway. So those guys are validating it on film. And those guys really start to see it like, damn, like I really could have, I, I could have been more detailed. I could have been a little sharper in my technique. So now those guys are really going out there like, okay, coach. So we only had one takeaway. We only had one takeaway yesterday, but the takeaway quote is two. So guess what? We're going to get three takeaways today. So now we're back on track. So like, it's, it really, it's really funny to see those guys really just take it in their hands. Like, nah, coach, like we want to compete. Like we're going to meet that quota. We're going to get the ball out today in practice. So it's just funny to see kind of the guys really just take it over and, and take ownership of it. In in this this process of really pushing the competition, um, there you can end up with those situations where uh, you have that guy who's maybe in a slump. He, he's not uh, competing the way he wants. He's not being successful. He's getting frustrated maybe. Uh, that he's not able to uh, to meet some of those objectives that are expected of not win in his situations, not win in those little competitions. How do you handle things with that guy so that uh, that that frustration doesn't become too overwhelming and that you get him back on track? Um, you just got you just got to keep coaching him. You just got to keep letting him know that we, me as a coach and us as a cornerback room, that we believe in him. You know, I mean, quarter. Corner is one of those positions. I mean, it's the most fundamentally and technically demanded position probably outside of quarterback. So you're not going to win every single one-on-one matchup. But we just always stress continue to compete, continue to get better, and pretty soon you'll break out of that slump. But I'm here to encourage you. The room is here to encourage you. We're all behind you. And we want to see everybody win in our room. So we're going to keep on demanding that you continue to give us our best every single – pretty soon you get out of that slump. So looking at that, that corner position, and, and I agree, it's very – uh, very technical in what you need to do. Certainly you have some very athletic guys. Uh, what are the, the keys for you uh, to be able to get these guys performing at an optimal level? What things are you really looking at from that corner position? I think it all starts with our preparation. And when we talk about preparation, we talk about mental preparation, physical preparation, emotional preparation, and spiritual preparation. Because if you're not a prepared football player, you're not going to be able to be the best version of yourself. And mentally, we have to be mental. We have to be. We have to know our job. We have to know how to line up correctly. We have to know where our eyes are supposed to be at. And we have to play with great technique. Physically, I mean, we have to practice every single day. Practice is everything to me. Games will take care of themselves because we, if you're not out there and you're not available to your teammates and you're not practicing, you can't get better. So we have to make sure physically that we take care of our body right, that we're getting the treatments and we're being we're being uh that we're taking care of our bodies correctly and that we're in the weight room. So make sure that we can stay on the field and emotionally. I mean, football is an emotional game. You got to wear your heart on your sleeve when you play this. I mean, football is not a natural game. Like let's, let's get that straight because I mean, we've all been to family reunions. People don't put on hard shell helmets to start tackling each other. So <laughs> you have to be in the right, <laughs> you have to be in the right emotional state to be able to play this game the right way. And especially at corner because a lot of times there's a lot of one-on-one matchups and you're going to win something, you're going to lose something, but you have to be in the right emotional state to really just go out there and compete. And I think the last one, the spiritual preparation. I mean, I'm big in my faith. 
you know, I grew up going to church with my mom and my grandmother and my father. So I'm really, really big in my faith. And I'm just really big in if you're not living your life right, one, you're not going to be the best man that you could possibly be. And two, you're not going to be the best football player you could be. So I think preparation is a big part of how you're going to get your guys to where they are to where they want to be. You know, you've mentioned eye discipline a couple times now, you know, while we've been recording and before. Uh, how do you train eye discipline? Um, I know me. One thing that I, I learned from Coach Shiano, just big thing. One, you got to emphasize it and on every single play. and They have to have a clear eye progression. So whether you're playing man, whether you're playing cover three, whether you're playing cover two, or whether you're blitzing, they have to know where to put their eyes at. Because I think your eyes, especially in the secondary, are the most important things that you play with. So them having a clear eye progression and them, them seeing the key, well, if this happens, you got to do this. So there's a stimulus. Your eyes look at a stimulus, and then whatever that stimulus gives you, you got to be able to respond to it. So just being able to preach eye discipline and have it a part of your daily teaching progression in the secondary, I think is key. So let's uh, let's get some practical on this and talk about um, maybe some of your drills as they relate to you know a particular coverage. Uh, give us you know I guess one of your your favorite coverages and some of the keys and the you know as as it is to eye discipline uh, on that coverage and technique. Most definitely. So I'll just start with kind of indie drill. So I'm a big firm, I'm a firm believer that whenever you do a transition drill, they need to they need to drive something, whether it's a human, whether it's a pop up, they need to be able to put their eyes on them and be able to drive that man. Because a lot of times you see, a lot of times in transition drills, they'll drive and they'll put their eyes on the ground. Well, I mean, you don't play football looking at the ground. So I just firmly believe in any indie drill that you have a transition involved. They need to be able to put their eyes on something, whether it's you use a pop-up for that or whether it's using another human being. So that's that's a way that I constantly will be able to drill eye discipline out of our transitions. And then just certain eye disciplines and coverage. So whether it's cover three, I'll, I'll just throw out a bunch of examples. So whether it's cover three, whether you're reading Q2 to one, and if two is vertical, I'm vertical. If two cancels, I put my eyes back on one, whether it's in man coverage where I have a saying so. A lot of people get this, a lot of corners get this backwards. So I was saying, the man coverage, you look at the man, and at the top of the route, you don't look at the, you don't look back at the quarterback until you're in the peak zone. So the peak zone is when you can reach out and touch that wide receiver. If you can't touch that wide receiver and man coverage, if you look back at the quarterback, you're gonna see that quarterback throw the ball, and you're gonna see that wide receiver catch it. So, and then in zone coverage, we have the ability to look at the quarterback. So now. But people get it backwards in zone coverage. They want to read routes and all that. And then man coverage, they want to look at the quarterback. So just really honing in on exactly in man coverage and zone coverage where your eyes are supposed to be at. How much time do you spend on film emphasizing those things, showing those things? And I guess, too, in in your drills um, and being able to see those things as a coach, that, that being a key for you, where's the best place to stand? As me as a coach? Yep. Stand at the finish. So I've, I've a fun, I also I got this from Cosciano as well. Every indie drill should have a clear start and a clear to finish. Whether the start is you a whistle, whether you saying hit, whether there should be a start and there should be a finish. So me standing as a coach, I always stand around the finish because one, I want to see you catch the ball, and then I'm gonna coach you to finish. So whether it's in the transition drill and they're at the top of the numbers, you backpedal them and you break them on a 45, they catch the ball the numbers and you want them to finish through the sideline you got to be able to coach that finish because then you'll be able to see their eyes out of the transition you'll be able to see if they're in a peak zone or not and then you'll be able to see them catch it and then finish so 
me, I always want to coach the finish because I think that's the most undertaught thing in football is just the act of finishing because you see a lot of teams who might be up in the fourth quarter and they don't finish the game or you might see a wide receiver catching and doesn't finish the rep. I think that is the coach to finish a lot more because I think it's one of the most undertaught skills in football. Uh, and then the other part of that was the evaluation, the film evaluation. Again, whether that's practice film or, or game film, uh, the emphasis on yeah. it, does it go into a, a, a specific grade, et cetera? Um, I, I don't think – I mean, definitely it does go into a grade, but every day on film, I mean, there's there's a couple things that whatever whatever your teaching progression is, like that has to be emphasized every day. So if alignment is your teaching progression. So maybe – if one of your corners or somebody in the secondary was misaligned, you point that out on film. Maybe if eye discipline is in your teaching progression, you have to emphasize, okay, this is where we didn't have eye discipline. Okay, this is where we did have good eye discipline. This is exactly what I'm looking for. And technique, if technique is a part of your uh, teaching progression, all those things that are in your teaching progression should be talked about on film every single day. So, Coach, kind of going back to – uh, some of the things we talked about earlier, we were talking about, um, you know, the relationship with the players and being able to get the, the most out of them. Uh, again, for you, uh, being on the, the younger side of things, the, the, the balance of, of how you do that, um, you know, sometimes the, the older coaches certainly might know more, et cetera, but uh, how are you going to continue to develop those relationships so that you guys are you know, performing at to your potential and beyond? I think it's all about trust, you know, and I think one thing that I learned from both Coach Ash and uh, Coach Shiano, trust is three parts from a player, from a coach to a player. And the first thing is character. Like everything that you preach within your meeting room and how you want them to behave and how you want them to act, you have to live it yourself too. So I think having great character, being honest with those guys, doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, being, being selfless, being – just being, just being able to have show those guys that you have great character. Another one, you got to be able to connect with these guys. It's the connection piece of these, you know. And a lot of times, having a connection with the players, honestly, just listening, because a lot of times, a lot of times, these players, some might come from great backgrounds, some might not come from the greatest backgrounds. But if you just listen to them and you'll be able to relate to them, and you're being able, because everyone, we've all, everyone's been through something in their life, so everyone. Like pain is something that we all share. So if there there might be a time where you felt pain in your life and they felt pain in your life, it's really just being vulnerable and being able to listen and being able to tell them your story as as an older guy. Because me, I'm fortunate enough that I played college football and I got an opportunity to get a shot in the NFL. So I've been to where a lot of these guys want to go. So they, I'm able to relate to those guys. And they, I remember like when I was a freshman, I was on scout team too. Or, I remember, like, I got beat for a touchdown in the game. This is how I react. So being able just to connect with those guys and listen to them and just really just be just being honest and being yourself. And then I think the last one is just being competent. Got to be competent at your job. You got to be passionate. You got to be. You got to continue to seek more knowledge. You got to talk to people who are who are in positions that you want to be in one day. You just got to keep learning and growing through this profession because I think once we stop learning, once we stop evolving, I think that's when. That's one. I mean, we just don't get better. The better that we become as coaches, guess what? Our players going to become better. So I just think it all goes back to trust. Yeah, you know that that idea of being vulnerable too. I know, you know, this profession is is full of alphas, right? It's it's full of those guys who, um, you know, 
want to show their toughness, uh, want to maybe have that hard shell, but uh, I don't know that you can build trust if you don't show some of that vulnerability. One hundred percent. You know, examples or general general examples of that, uh, how you would approach that, you know, with a player to again be able to to crack through some of that shell. That uh, you know, this is a tough game. We need tough people, but uh, again, the relationship side is going to build it more than anything. Uh, so, some examples, I guess, of of being able to be vulnerable and and uh, be able to get deeper into those relationships. Yeah, so I mean, like a lot of my players just look at me because I'm I'm usually one of the first guys in the office. I'm usually one of the last ones to leave, so they they just look at me like I'm just go 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 all the time. So, me to lighten up the mood, I'm like, fellas, I'm like, fellas, do you think I have? I said, fellas, do you think I'm tired right now? And they're like, nah, coach, you ain't tired. I'm like, fellas, I'm tired of shit right now. I'm gonna be honest with you, but guess what? No, no coach is gonna have more energy than me out at practice. So like me just being vulnerable, like nah, fellas, like it's okay. Like <laughs> I feel this too, because a lot of times they they look at me like I'm not human. I just got energy 24/7. Like nah, fellas, I really don't. But guess what? When it comes to y'all, when it comes to this practice field, I compete at every single thing that I do. So guess what? I will go on the reserves and I'll find that energy for y'all. You know what I mean? So then just talk to talking to them about my playing days and just how I play scout team for a couple of years. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I don't have any shame of anything that happened in my career or things, mistakes that I've made. And I've shared a lot of it with them. So just being, just being vulnerable. So they realize they just don't look, they look at me as kind of like, Oh dang, like, like coach, like is really being vulnerable for us. Like we know that we could be vulnerable with him too. And that creates the trust. And it really breaks that breaks through that barrier where we could all have love for one another. And then, now I'll be able to get what the, what the most out of them and make them the best version of itself. So that that's a great example. So looking at all the things you do as a coach, and and you've shared some great things here in this this short con- conversation we had. Um, what would be maybe the one thing you'd point to that really helps give your players the winning edge? I think it all goes back to preparation. You know, I mean. My preparation is their preparation. So really just trying to find the edge with those guys. So studying formation, studying down the distance, studying splits, matchups, like being able to study personnel, like being able to just to really to really make those guys really informed on what the offense might do to us so they could really anticipate things. Because I'm, I'm a firm believer in Corey Robinson from the Saints. We was on the phone probably about a month ago, and he said, he said something that I've been saying to my players. He said, pre-snap anticipation improves post-snap execution and it's just I was like wow that makes so much sense to me because if you, if you can anticipate what might happen to you pre-snap then you'll be able to execute better post-snap and, and there's a difference between anticipation and guessing that's what I talked to my guys about anticipation might make you a half a click faster than you were if you were just reacting guessing it's either you're all right or you're all wrong and at the corner position if you guess, if you're all wrong, it equals six. So we don't guess that corner. We can anticipate what's about to happen to you, and you can, you're allowed to anticipate through film study and through uh, things of that nature. So I just really think the edge is in preparation, and we're always looking to find the edge. Coach, for our listeners, what areas of the country do you recruit? Uh, for right now, so – Right now, the areas that I have, I have Washington, D.C., and then in Maryland, I have PG County and Montgomery County. Then in New Jersey, I have North New Jersey and Central New Jersey. Then I have Northeast Ohio. So those are the areas that I recruit. And when I was at Rutgers, I had the whole entire state of Ohio. So I'm an Ohio guy. I mean, I love Ohio football. And 
I always show love to my home state. So those are the main areas that I've recruited. Uh, Coach, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Um, One, on Twitter. I'm very, very active on Twitter. I try to tweet something every morning or sometime throughout the day. So my Twitter is Ross, R-O-S-S, Doug, D-O-U-G, which is half of my last name, then the number 21. So Ross Doug 21, you can reach me on there, and then you can reach me on there. If you follow me, I'll be able to follow you back, and then I'll give you my phone number from there. Awesome, Coach. Well, we'll have to get together when you're you're back in Northeast Ohio. And Avon, I might have to have you come over the tracks, though, to, to Avon Lake. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> Big rivalry there. But, hey, I really uh, appreciate you taking the time here on the podcast. And best of luck to you and the Spiders in 2021. Coach, I appreciate you for having me on. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please check out all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com. We've got some great things coming for you in May. And for the last three months or so of this offseason, we'll be back with All In on Offense and our deep dive on defense. And we have some great interviews with coaches as well as some quick casts that we'll throw in there. Check out all we're doing again at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.